Hello and a very warm welcome to all you listeners to the very first episode of Leave It In The Locker Room. My name is Charlie Green and I will be your host for this podcast series. Now, have you ever been sitting at home cursing at VAR or frustrated by a plug ball in a bunker when playing golf? Well, this is the podcast for you. Each episode, I'll be having a current or ex-sporting professional on the podcast and they'll be putting forward three things they would like to remove from their respective sport. It really can be anything. And the point is to give sporting professionals the opportunity to come on and speak openly about what annoys them whilst partaking in their sport. I'll also find out how my guest is doing and have some quick fire locker room questions as a feature to end the podcast. So there's lots to look forward to, but now it's time to welcome on my first guest. He's an English professional cricketer currently playing for Hampshire Cricket, best known for opening the matting in a red ball format and a middle order in a white ball, and also offers up the rare right arm tweaker. He's represented and captain England at under 19 level. It brings me great pleasure to welcome Joe Weatherly onto the Leave It in the Locker Room podcast. Joe, thanks for coming on and how are you doing? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, noticing that, uh, you know, the podcast sort of industry is uh, just needing another podcast. So um, I've been listening to, to so many in the lockdown. So it's great that you can add a, another one. Uh, yeah, no, doing all right. It's been, uh, it's obviously been a, an interesting time. Uh, as we know, uh, we're currently furloughed through the month of November. Seems like I spent my life on, uh, on furlough this year. Um, but no, we're getting back into training in December, a bit more normality, hopefully. And hopefully have a sort of decent lead into pre-season for a, a normal-ish season next year and hopefully get some get some fans back in. That would be awesome. I'm sure that is the goal. So here we are sitting in lockdown 2.0 here in England. I mean, what have you been up to? Like, what's keeping you busy in lockdown? Um, not, not a lot, to be honest. Normally, this is a time of um, getting our physical stuff done. Normally, a lot of our a lot of the skills stuff starts sort of properly in, in the new year. Um, if If we were training, it would be a a real physical block so um, there's been a few of us sort of pairing up just doing some running and a few guys bought some like gym equipment um, just for, like the garages you know we've been prepared for this obviously through the first lockdown so uh, it's yeah. mostly just been been sort of fitness stuff I'm doing a bit of study work just doing like a business management course that um, I started when I left I left school years ago which I'm finally going to finish which I can't wait for um otherwise mate just the usual yeah it's good that sport's been on that's uh, <laughs> that's that was a real battle during the first one just watching useless you know 1997 Lions videos and stupid sort of World Cup like reruns yeah but, no, it's been it's been good watching um it's been quite a lot of good sport on isn't there yeah. um, did you enjoy the Masters last weekend love the Masters it was a bit different wasn't it it was um yeah. obviously love love my golf a lot of the boys do actually um it's something especially in the last couple of years is a lot of lads have taken it up and you know we've started playing a lot more um and so a lot of the boys sort of get into it we normally do a bit of a sweepstake actually uh but no enjoyed it um it's obviously different with no no crowds i don't know if i don't know if 20 under should be winning the masters i'd like to see it being a bit more yeah um, a bit more competitive i guess i mean the rain obviously affected it a lot didn't it but yeah, sort of. It's just so soft. Yeah, the amateur side of my golf wants to see them, you know, four putt and uh, not make it up slopes when they're chipping and stuff. So the DJ just to make it look like they're playing the local par three sort of makes <laughs> me sick a little bit. But um, did you enjoy yeah, Tiger's no, obviously, um, obviously Tiger's it. ten, Tiger's ten on twelve? Did you enjoy that? 
I know. I, do you know what I enjoy more is how all week, because the build-up starts on like Monday, doesn't it? On the range, you know, Tuesday, whatever. Building up all week. And the, obviously the 12th is obviously, you know, the hole. And they always say, you know, these, these idiots, you know, who go for the pin on the last day when it's on the right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Tiger, you know, Tiger with his experience just takes it, you know, Jack Nicholas goes straight over the... Over uh, the bunker, yeah. The bunkers. Doesn't matter where the pin is, straight over the bunkers. Um, doesn't yeah it doesn't matter where the pin is on 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 days one two three or four and then cue tiger taking a 10 on the last day where the pin's on the right and uh just having a right cock up so but then i mean five under through the last six i mean yeah there was a few things on twitter wasn't there just like that guy's mental strength just uh to 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 bounce back like that it just shows how good uh i mean that's oddly why he is the greatest in golf's history i'd say um, but yeah, bringing us back to cricket. So, so are the coaches at Hampshire keeping tads on you, sort of monitoring what you're doing with the exercise and the workouts? And I presume you're sort of talking to the boys pretty frequently over Zoom and stuff. Yeah, so I guess because we had a bit of, um, well, we were kind of prepared for the lockdown um, this time around. So October's our time off. We obviously finished September. October's always our month off where... We try and see as little of each other as, as possible. Um, and then normally we sort of come back in November, do our fitness testing, um, catch up with the guys and then sort of start afresh. Obviously, that wasn't the case this time. They still managed to get our fitness testing in. I mean, like that's a priority. Even even I think lockdown was the Thursday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was like three days of fitness testing when we're going to be like pretty much stagnant for the month. No, um, it's not like that. But no, so... Uh, we we obviously got together and um, you know there's been a few sort of dog walks and stuff with with coaches and stuff basically to make sure we've got a focus for when we when we get back into it because obviously you know a lot of us have had a lot of time away from the game and you know when we are back in um, just to have that real focus we didn't have a great time of it this year uh, so as a group and individually we've got we've got work ons um, hopefully for a big big 2021 yeah and I mean I know you said that the plan is to go back into training sort of for December for that pre-season off-season I mean Hampshire normally I think right I'm right in saying go to the Caribbean for the winter training don't they that's right we we went to we went to Barbados six or seven years in a row we stopped going I think a year or two ago some of some of the lads who have recently joined like Nye Donald who joined us from Glamorgan joined uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before but he, he sort of always says I joined Hampshire for the pre-season tours for Barbados and since I've come we've either had Covid or we go to like the manga uh, I think we went to the manga oh, yeah, yeah. Like a couple of years ago just not the same as Barbados uh, one year we had a month there in February which is just surreal but um I don't think pre-seasons are going to be as much of a thing in terms of going away now, which is a shame because uh, we get some really good cricket prep done uh, in in Barbados. No, it's a mixture of of actually having a good time and uh, getting ready for the season. Because it's actually a lot of the boys in the normal way would would go away and it's the first real chance to get the squad together and have a bit of team building and, and just have a real focus for the year. So... I don't know what it's going to look like in 2021. I think we're going to be be home based for for a good few months. I mean, the, the season seems to start earlier and earlier every year, like pre-season friendlies in like March these days, and just freeze yeah. them nonstop. So uh, I'm sure it will come around quickly. Yeah, and then 
obviously COVID had a massive impact on the whole world in many sports this summer, and I guess it still is now. Um, but cricket was sort of one of those sports to have suffered the most, arguably, sort of with competitions being dropped, like the 100. There was changes to the county championship and the season starting months late. But when the season eventually got going, so how different was it actually playing during the pandemic to normal? I'll tell you what was weird was the T20s. I mean, the championship, don't get me wrong, it's well followed and well supported. <laughs> but it's not known for like the biggest of crowds, you know, especially um, at some of the venues I won't, I won't go into which ones. But um, yeah, no, the four day stuff felt felt pretty normal. Actually, the standard was was still high. I think the regional aspect actually worked quite well. Um, but the T20 was really weird, you know, playing in front of no fans, no music, no fireworks, you know, that sort of Friday night feel that they do really well for the T20s just felt, yeah, a million a million miles away. And, and it was tough in some ways because we'd be sort of travelling, uh, you know, quite, you know, say if we were playing Kent away, we'd be travelling, you know, two, three hours, playing the game and then, and then on the bus back and you're almost travelling for longer than you're playing for with no one about really. Um, and there's obviously limits on, on who can be in the ground. I know there was a couple of occasions where we actually had to go outside of the ground to speak to media uh, because they weren't allowed in the ground or something, something stupid like that. Um, I'll tell you what was one of the best aspects was the changing rooms being socially distanced because some of them are far too small. What's the smallest? Oh, what is the smallest on the county circuit? Essex is absolutely horrific. Essex have won probably the most trophies in recent years had the most silverware and yet their change rooms are probably the worst on the circuit and every year we sort of say oh they've won the championship surely they'll redo their changing rooms and uh every year they don't and uh, just to show you how bad it is is they put us in the home and away changing rooms when we played them this year and they went into a marquee on one of the hospitality boxes on the side so if they're putting their away uh if they're putting the, the teams that are coming to them to stay in their change rooms, I mean, that just shows how bad it is. But, gee, some of the lads, you know, kit stinks. And just to be, uh, be socially distant work quite well, just to stay away from some of the lads' chats. You know? <laughs> so and, long, um, long may that continue, actually. <laughs> and now that you've sort of had some time to reflect on sort of a season, what are the teams for on sort of the campaign? And then also, how would you rate your own form? I think, oh, it, it was tough primarily just because we had quite we didn't have that much notice so we sort of had three weeks in I think it was July of just scrambling to get us to a state to then play August and September there was a lot of sort of we weren't sure what we were going to play what we were training for um, we were missing a lot of overseas guys um, a lot of people that were sort of in and out of England bubbles so it was a pretty disjointed team. How did we go? I think I think we learned a lot. You know, it was great to see a lot of young guys get opportunity. Um, that was actually really enjoyable playing in quite a homegrown young team, which probably would have been quite different to the county championship sort of starting side um, in the normal way. I think there were certainly some positives in the in the four day stuff. I think we won a couple of games. Uh, I think we won away at Middlesex and and rolled Surrey over, which was a really good win in three days. Um, but also lost a couple. The, the T20 was was particularly disappointing. We've been we've been pretty shit, to be honest, at, at T20 for a good couple of years. And that was, I guess, one of the frustrations is not not putting that right in the winter straight away with this 
furlough because uh, I think we've got a real opportunity to get better at T20. You know, Hampshire, when people think of Hampshire, they've, uh, they've had a lot of white ball success years gone by. And I think we've lost our way a little bit. Um, I guess players have, have changed slightly. I think the game's moved on. We're a little bit behind, um, potentially. Uh, so that's a real work on. But equally, you know, it's tough to complete, uh, compete across three formats at the moment. You know, it's such a intense schedule in the normal county, county season. You know, you go from four-day games to T20 to 50 over, and you're constantly swapping comps. Um, and it's hard to really compete across all, all three forms. You know, Somerset do it really well. Essex have done it well recently. But apart from that, um, you often find teams sort of potentially specialise in, in one format. So, I mean, the goal, don't get us wrong, is to, to compete across three. Um, we really want to win the championship and we were going to have a, you know, and still do have a strong side to win that. Uh, with, you know, Nathan Lyon was going to come over, Carl Abbott's in his prime, James Vince, Samuel Feast. So that's, I think, the overriding goal, but there's no doubt room for improvement in the white ball stuff for sure. Yeah, and then personally for you, I mean, you mentioned that win in the Bob Willis against Middlesex. I mean, you starred in that game with a 98 and a 64. Obviously, you missed the majority of last season through injury. Were you happy with sort of how you bounced back, I guess you could say, this season? Yeah, absolutely. It was really frustrating, actually. I broke my ankle halfway through the season before. I had quite a long layoff, missed the rest of the year. Had the winter really sort of fine-tuning my game and then was really ready to go in in March and then obviously obviously COVID hit so I felt in a really good place going into March April and then I sort of felt that in July and stuff I needed to just get back into as good a place as I was in for pre-season because I, I knew my game was in was in decent nick um, and just sort of fine-tuned those aspects that I've been working on in the winter and my ankle injury I guess gave me the time and perspective to to really put those um, things in my game that I wanted to work on into practice so yeah I was glad to take that into the season um, also the sort of short element of the season the county season can be quite long and just the short element meant that you just get a real focus and you knew get in get out score some runs take some wickets um, get some wins and yeah, you know, that Middlesex game was probably the first time I've um, sort of really put a match-winning performance in for for Hampshire. And it was quite a, quite a tight game. And it was great to get us over the line, for sure. Right, so we do have to get on to the reason why you've come on the podcast today. And that is for you to come on and put forward your claim and reasoning to why you want three certain things to be removed from the sport cricket. Um, so the way this is going to work, is one by one. Joe is going to put forward three things he would like to remove from cricket, but then going to discuss them. And Joe is going to try and convince me that they should be removed from the sport. So after hearing Joe's arguments, I'm then going to pick one of the three things to hypothetically remove from cricket to then leave it in the locker room. So Joe, what's the first thing you would like to remove from cricket, please? Well, this is going to be a strong argument. I don't know how you're going to even begin to debate this, but the mancad, how we're still talking about the mancad in 2020, how it's still a thing, I have no idea. I know it's it's sort of a bit a bit less common these days, but it still happens in like 19s World Cups, doesn't it? But I mean, what what on earth is that about? So mancad should have gone 30 years ago and it is so far in the locker room, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so, so the man catch so a, a run out or a non-striker by the bowler before bowling the ball if the non-striker's left is creased too early. And then I guess the main reason why people it's frowned upon in the game of cricket is sort of being ungentlemanly. I think it's named after an Indian cricketer who did it on tour in Australia back in sort of the mid-40s, 1940s. Um, and then obviously it's come back to light last year in the IPL between Butler and Ashwin in that incident but so, so Joe why is it that you want to remove the mancad from the game of cricket I mean I didn't uh, where, where, why is it even called a man I didn't even know that so that's news to me like it's such a common not common but it's 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 such a commonplace in cricket this term mancad I don't even know it I'm a bloody professional cricketer and you're telling me where it's come from why do I want to get rid of it because I'm a batter and you can't tell me that there's one batter that really wants to gain an advantage you know we're they say fast bowlers are dopey, you know, <laughs> batters, you can't tell me that I'm really trying to gain two inches on you. We're just, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with it, really. And the thing is with it, it's so pre-planned by the bowlers. Like, you can't tell me they're running in to bowl 90 mile an hour and then abruptly stopping and knocking the bales off because they sense that you're leaving your crease a little bit too early. And then the umpire gives you out because it's, I don't know, it's not in but the, it's a law. It is a it is a rule of the game. But I mean you mentioned this thing there, about laws and spirit of cricket could only happen in cricket. Like what what is that about? You mentioned there's spirit of cricket, and I guess that's why it's so frowned upon it being sort of like an unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, how important is the spirit of cricket to the game? I mean, yeah, no, don't get me wrong, it, it is important. And you know, the MCC obviously, yeah, it's a big part of of the game that we play. I think cricket paints itself that, you know, spirit of cricket is a big part of it. You know, you look at other sports like, I don't know, football, you know, arguing the umpire, arguing the refs, just not on in cricket. Although I would say I've seen some pretty uh, ungentlemanly uh, repost being given out when you smash the cover off it and you get that given out LBW. But traditionally, uh, it is a gentleman's game. And you did just mention there, so, you know, it's unfair on the batsman. Now, the game has been trending in favour of the batsman for many years, Joe. And, I mean, you said there that a batsman might not gain an advantage if they're an inch out of their crease. But a bowler, if they're an inch over the, the umpire's line, it's, you know, penalises a no ball. So, technically, if a non-facing batsman is out of his crease by one inch, then it technically couldn't it benefit him in making a run that would then make it unfair. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's fair call. Um, but what I would say is, what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch, you know, T20 that's, you know, 100 and, you know, 20 plays 125? Or do you want to watch fours and sixes? Of course, it's a batter's game because it's a, it's a more watchable game. So, um, yeah, I've got no issue with that. Just, just as a side piece, you know, we have these arguments all the time, batters be bowlers, and it's uh, it can get quite heated when, uh, when we get skittled for 100 and the bowlers are, oh, it's the batters again. But <laughs> no one, no batter intentionally leaves their crease. They're backing up. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's a disgrace. Have you ever seen it happen in a game? Or has it even happened to you ever? I don't think it's happened, and certainly not in a proper professional game. Potentially as a, as a child. Um, the worst bit is, is when you see it and the bowler goes off celebrating. Like There's been some under-19 <laughs> World Cups in recent years. Uh, was it West Indies or, or something? And they're literally celebrating the win. I think there was an example, I think it was the World Cup after sort of my year where uh, they were nine down and 
they resorted to the old man cat as, as the way to win and then go and celebrate. I sort of felt sorry for the umpires having to decide like what's what's right and what's wrong and, and, and how to give it out. But please, like put it in the locker room. Okay, well, that's your first thing you're putting forward into the, well, potentially go into the locker room. What is your second thing you'd like to put forward, Jay? My second thing is uh, pre-season friendlies. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> what is it that this you want to... This might be harder to argue. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that you want to remove from pre-season friendlies from the game so of cricket? Pre-season friendlies, right. I mean, I don't know if you sort of follow, you know, our pre-season, but I sort of alluded to it earlier. Our season is getting earlier and earlier. If people think, you know, British summertime starts in, what, May, June? We're, we're starting, like, outside practice in, like, March. The groundsmen are having to prepare, like, practice wickets for batters, opening the batting in England against the Dukes ball in, like, March, you know. It's sort of no fun. And uh, they're often sort of local games. We, we go down to Sussex, you know, right by right by the seafront and you've got to wear about 14 jumpers in in the middle of March and uh, oh it's just uh, they're often sort of two-day games and you sort of split them 60 overs you you know you bat for 60 overs then we bat for 30 overs and then do the opposite the next day so I mean as a batter firstly you're up against it because you're battling you know the conditions in March and secondly even if you get in you've got to you've got to declare because uh, you've only had 60 overs or 30 overs to bat. And by the way, the wor- officially the worst thing about pre-season friendlies as a batter is if you get out for not many, then uh, there's every chance you're going to have to go back in because the coach wants you to get time in the middle. And if you, <laughs> if you know cricket or if you've ever played cricket, getting out twice in a day is possibly the worst thing, you know, to ever happen. Uh, you, know, you should build yourself up for this innings, you know, pre-season, whatever. You snick off. And then, you know, you're umpired and then you get skittled because it's pre-season. And then they go, would you like to go in again? Uh, <laughs> not really, but you're the head coach and I want to get picked for the first game. So I guess I ought to. And it's like, you know, it's just a no win. The best thing are going to get 20 not out of batting second. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, it's not a proper game. And then, yeah. I do get what you're saying. And I, I couldn't imagine anything worse than playing sort of cricket in March in England, especially considering I've been in America for the last six years and haven't really experienced a Christmas, well, an English winter yet, like I am now, and I'm not enjoying it that much, I have to say. Um, but so, like, the argument there with sort of pre-season friendlies, I mean, you do hear all the sort of pundits and experts from the game talking about how crucial time in the middle is for a batsman to try and get into form. So wouldn't that be, like, a reason why, potentially, as a batsman, you would like a pre-season friendly? Absolutely, but uh, it seems few and far between that batters actually get time in the middle of these days, especially when you play against a lot of the time. We played Sussex uh, last year, and you had you know Chris Jordan was at the IPL, uh, Joffre Archer, you know, he's with England. Uh, you got a couple of guys who got niggles who they want to sort of save, and and then you end up playing you know Joe Bloggs, a sixteen-year-old off spinner, and they got two like actual contracted fast bowlers, and you're playing you know you're just playing against spinners in March, which which, don't get me wrong, is better than facing seam bowlers, but it's not particularly realistic. No, absolutely, you want time in the middle, but you you just pray that you get it early doors in pre-season. So they sort of go, you know, Joe's Joe's ticking along really nicely. You know, maybe maybe slipping down the order a little bit for the next game, or or maybe just resting. But um, yeah, what you want to time it for actually, the the uni games uh, are or have been first class games, and they're normally the the game before the first county championship game and they I mean they are weak 
the, the standard of, of uni cricket has has gone down and uh, but they still they still count towards your first class stats so you're fine but, the chance uh, to get a run that's, surely that's when guys to be fair switch on and get there getting their hundreds my university record is is terrible i actually made my debut i think for hampshire in a, in a uni game but my uni record against the unis is terrible but yeah no you see these senior guys have sort of been bubbling along in these in these shitty sort of pre-season friendly suddenly come alive when they're playing you know oxford uni and get their 26 first stars 100 it's like oh, okay you've you know the drill. I see. <laughs> so right, let's yeah. say let's say you were to remove preseason friendlies. Do you think, as a batsman or even as a bowler, it's sort of enough net sessions enough to take into a season? I mean, realistically, I do you think? That, I mean, let, let's let, let me give this to you right now. Let's say you were to get a call from England right now and say, Joe, get on a plane. You're playing in a first ODI in South Africa in a, you know ten days. Would you? Surely you'd want some sort of preseason match going into that surely absolutely if it was for England it would be it would be no issue and if it was abroad absolutely <laughs> no issue I think it's probably it's I'm probably kidding myself that pre-season friendlies are probably important but that everything that goes with it uh is just horrific um uh, and when you're in the sort of second third game of the proper season you sort of think back and think Oh, was preseason that important? You know, I, I got, I got hundreds and fifties in preseasons, but I can't get a bean now, and uh, <laughs> I've just been dropped. So I'm really glad that I uh, came into form against uh, a two-day friendly at Canterbury in in on March the third. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I guess they are important, probably more for the bowlers than the batters, to be fair. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then, what is the third thing that you would like to put forward to the locker room? This is actually a similar a similar um, argument, and that is uh, that is warm ups. <laughs> uh, it's going to be quite hard to justify, especially. I hope, uh, I hope your coaches aren't listening to this because well, they're going to be like, "What's difficult. what's up with Joe? He doesn't like pre-season friendly. He doesn't like the pre-match warm ups." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just pretty grumpy. I think. Um, I tell you what, though, oh, I. I would have some support from my teammates. I think that is probably warm ups, probably the most common thing that we uh, we just do so many of them, you know, every day, and it's and it's it gets a bit draining on you know the thirteenth county championship day four uh, when you you know you've just spent overs and overs in the field, uh, and I think you know when guys retire, you know they say you know what what you what you missed the least. I think I think warm ups are right up there, but um. I'm actually good, yeah, quite, we get on well with our uh, science and medicine and fitness coaches, so I'd, yeah, pray they're not listening, and, and if they are, just cover your ears, Cookie. <laughs> so, so what exactly is it that you dislike about sort of a pre-match warm-up? Oh, i tell you what's not a great start is breaking your ankle uh, playing football, and I think Hampshire, in the last four or five years, we've had a broken leg, my broken ankle, and a torn ACL. In the last five years so if warm-ups were remotely fun that was when we we're playing football i didn't know this so did you actually injure your ankle playing football in a warm-up was that the injury i did I, I if you didn't hear i try and keep it under under wraps a little bit because it's uh it's a little bit embarrassing and those who know me would say that it's, it sounds about right that I, that I managed to do it playing football they've now banned football because we've had because we can't stand up playing football and i've had serious injuries that affect us on the cricket field so if warm-ups were remotely fun they were five-a-side games. Now it's like, you know, we're on deck at 10 o'clock doing warm-ups and we don't start till 11 o'clock. 
But by the way, you, you know, you do your half an hour, 40 minutes warm up. And, uh, and what, then, you what go is and sit, this then you go and sit down for 20 minutes and have a coffee <laughs> and come out cold. Um, and it's like, well, what the hell was the point in that? You know, I've got to the ground, you know, at least an hour or two early uh, to prime my body to uh, stand and hit a ball, you know. What is the typical Hampshire warm up? Um, what's the typical warm up? Well, it used to be, you know, on deck at 10, you know, the game starts at 11, let's say, on deck at 10, bit of a chat. And then, you know, just, uh, you know, warm up, jogs, stretching, you know, what do they call it? You know, pre-activation, all this naff phrases that have come into um, elite sport. And then uh, that might take, you know, 15, 20 minutes leading up to sort of sprints and turning and stuff. Then you go into your sort of fielding groups. Again, not particularly fun when you're playing in sort of September when it's, when it's early, it's early starts in September. Uh, because of the light and then so you're you're on you're like hang on this can't be right I'm on deck at nine o'clock and I'm leaving the car you know I'm clearing the frost off the car <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh, I'm going I'm going to warm up but um yeah and then you know okay right we're batting right okay so I'll head up I'll, I'll get a coffee and I uh, put my feet up and I'll get my sweaty warm-up kit off to put my whites on to then sort of lounge around a little bit getting my mind into gear to sort of face the first ball and I'm and I'm fresh cold again and by the way you know you get out and then you put your sort of sweaty warm-up training kit back on um from the bloody warm-up so uh, it's 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 not particularly fun and the monotony of it does wear off again fitness coach would hate me for saying this because he tries really hard to make it you know different every time and you know day three is different to day four and batters and bowlers split up but you can't tell me it's it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I do see what you're coming from. And I mean, I do understand why they've taken the football out because obviously it's happened with England. Also, they had to ban the football because of the amount of injuries that they've got in the pre-match warm-ups. Also, you know, right, OK, so we're fielding, right? We've got six hours in the field. We don't need to be, we don't need to be in the field for seven hours. Yeah, we've just spent an hour sort of getting loose to then have a massive long day in the field for 90 overs. Uh, is, uh, is a bit ridiculous. Now, I, I do have one question because from my very, very mediocre standard of cricket that I play now sort of twice a year, um, my warm-up as a, well, when I go out and bat, and I'm not a batsman, I just want to make that very clear um, to all the listeners, but when I go out, I mean, my <laughs> warm-up is throwdowns, okay? And that is a traditional sort of like club sort of uh, pub cricket warm-up for a batsman and some throwdowns. Does that actually exist in the, in the professional game at all? Do you ever get a throwdown? So I probably I probably missed that off actually. So if we rewind it a little bit, that ten o'clock on deck time is is the physical warm up. We've been hitting or, or or throws are available from say nine o'clock. So it's almost two hours before, and that's pretty optional. And and you know if we're getting back to sort of serious chat, is guys have different um, routines of you know it might be uh, throws out the hand, typical throwdowns like what you're saying. They've got this sort of dog stick now, which has been around for a few years, which sort of flings it down quite quickly, which is sort of more relatable to bowlers. Some guys don't hit at all. Some guys hit underarms, but that often is a couple of hours before the start time. You know, T20s, you're sort of getting to the ground like three hours early to have a meal, to, to hit some, just to chill out, and then you're warming up. And then, so it can be quite a long run into... Uh, when the first ball is bowled but um, you know you hit so many balls in in the season that sometimes it's not uh, too much prep that's needed but it's more more of a mental thing I think. 
Okay, fair enough. And then my, my last question before I make a decision here, if you want, if you're going to replace warm-ups, what would your ideal sort of substitution <laughs> be? Well, a little 20 minute, you know, jog around the, jog around the, you know, square <laughs> and, and maybe a bit of a few hamstring kicks on the side screen. That sounds like my, but 20 minutes before with a coffee, but, um, the Sappuccino. Oh, the Sappuccino. There's, Jesus, there's enough of those in a cricket team. Bloody hell. Um, but, oh, just, just a bit less, please. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, it's it got to that time where I have to pick one of these things I want to remove from cricket and then leave it in the locker room. Now, Joe, you've, you've made some interesting points here. Some good, some maybe not so. But I think what I've decided to hyperfectly remove from cricket and put in the locker room is, drum roll please. I think I'm going to stick in the man cad. Yeah, I'm going to stick in the man cad. I mean, I think personally from a cricket fan, it's the, the one thing in the game that actually that does annoy me. Like when I see it happen, I just think it's so against the spirit of cricket. It's so unsportsmanlike. And I mean, I know it is a rule, so it's hard to remove from the game, but it's just, it'd be so easy just to say, yeah, that's just dead ball, I think. And you could easily remove it. So I think it's realistic. And I just think for a bowler to, like you say, pre-think that before they've even run up to deliver, I think that's just, that's, that's so against everything that cricket really is. So I would definitely stick the man cat. I think I'm going to stick that into the locker room. And also I'm not sure you can get rid of pre-season friendlies <laughs> and as much as you'd want to not go down to home in March Fair enough. Fair I don't enough. think you can get rid of pre-season friendlies and I think Shame. with the with the pre-match warm-up when you're at, you know doing school sport I think the number one thing they tell you the first thing is you have to warm up before any physical activity so I'm not sure we can remove that so I'm gonna stick in the man cad Joe into the locker room yeah fair enough fair enough Just with the man cad, like what bugs me is sport should be easy for people to uh, understand and relate to. You know, cricket's hard enough as it is. If you were a non-cricket fan and say a man cad happened on the TV, how the hell do you get, oh yeah, that's a man cad. You know, sorry, what, 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 <laughs> what, what do you mean it's a man is that? cad? Oh, right, well, I, I played professional cricket. I don't even, Charlie's just told me where it came from, why it's called a man cad. So, yeah, sorry, uh Sorry, you don't know your cricket. That's that's a man cad. No, that's fair. Yeah. Cricket's already hard enough to understand as it is to the, the normal eye. I mean, trying to explain it to friends of mine in America what cricket was. I mean, what a joke <laughs> that was. I mean, they, most of them think it's croquet. Americans, honestly, they do. They have no How idea. How good's that so, Twitter? There's a Twitter account, isn't there? That's like uh, uh, USA like cricket phrases, and it's uh, it, yeah, it tries to tries to explain cricket in like an American uh, style. It's very good. All right. Okay. So the man cad is our first thing that is going into the locker room. All right. I think it's now time for some locker room questions. Co-producer Henry Thomas Aldridge, please take it away. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce locker room questions with Joe Weatherly. So it's time to play our end of podcast feature, Locker Room Questions. And this is an opportunity to find out what really goes on behind the doors of the Hampshire Cricket Locker Room. So Joe, the idea here is I'm going to be pretty quick fire with the questions, you're going to be pretty quick fire with the answers. So are you ready? I think so. Yep. I think so. All right. So what is your go-to sort of pre-match meal? Pre-match meal, uh, to be fair, the Aegeus are very good at putting on some really good pre-match food. It's normally 
like a lamb tagine or like a chili with rice, uh, that type of thing. I normally end up eating far too much and feeling far too bloated for, for like a T20 because it's so good. But that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your go-to music artists in the go-to locker room. music artists. We don't normally have a choice because Carl Ablett's the DJ and it's sort of just, it's on whether you like it or not. Some sort of African, uh, you know, like... Uh, safari music so it's actually it's actually pretty good and, uh... <laughs> safari music <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard of safari music not so no but it's like that sort of african like to be fair there was there was a stage where we had more South africans than english blacks in the change so it was quite relatable but uh yeah don't get a choice abo is a dj so okay funniest person in the locker room i hate to say it but chris wood and he'll <laughs> love me for saying that he's a he's a funny guy <laughs> Okay, uh, best dancer in the locker room? Not many. Jesus, not many. I mean, we've had Fidel Edwards the last four or five years. You know, when he, I think, when he's had a few rums, he'd probably be the best of a really bad bunch. It's definitely not me. Which teammate in the locker room spends most of his time in front of the mirror? (laughs) Um, That's a good question. I'll tell you what, media day, everyone's in front of the mirror doing their hair and <laughs> Jesus it's unbelievable how uh, how uh, well-timed haircuts are pre-media day like just like two or three days before I'm going to go with Aniron Donald yeah Mr. Big Time and uh, then you mentioned earlier in in the podcast that the one advantage of cricket under COVID has been sort of a social distancing in the locker room who is the messiest teammate in the locker room not the messiest. Tom Allsop's kit stinks. And I don't know what he does to it. I mean, he hits enough balls, but it, it, you don't want to be next to him. Uh, I'll tell you that for free. Sam Northeast. Sam Northeast kits everywhere. You're like, Sam, there's a glove next to me, but you're in the opposite side of the changing room. Like, how, how can that be? He just chucks on any bit of kit sort of he can find. Um, and his, his kit is an absolute disgrace. But luckily, as I say, he's not. He's not close to me, but um, he is a very messy guy. Yeah. Okay. And two more questions. What is the worst moment walking back into the locker room? What's been your worst moment? I mean, getting out twice in pre-season friendlies is not fun. Also walking or hobbling back up the stairs with a broken ankle. I mean, the worst thing about the broken ankle was I actually went out and fielded on it because we didn't think it was that bad. Did you? And uh, I actually took a, took a slip catch. Um, with a broken ankle yeah it was <laughs> we were we were sort of saving having to save the game and i had to go out and field to then bat in the fourth innings because you sort of got to spend a certain amount of time on the field to then bat so it sort of threw me out there and then i remember just getting back in the change rooms and just being in absolute agony that wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight i would i wouldn't have thought i'm sure i'm sure and then best moment walking back into the locker room uh lord's final win um, 2018, um, easily, easily, just just a great day. Like everything went right from start to finish. We all look back at that day with such fond memories. Blue sky, full house at Lords. Um, my first trophy win with the club. Sort of coming through the academy. It's sort of what you dream of. That's the goal, isn't it? Uh, playing at the home of cricket and and winning was awesome. So pretty easy. 
There it is. Brilliant. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on Leave It In A Locker Room. Uh, we're sticking a man cat in as our first thing to go into a locker room and hopefully we'll never see a man cat again in cricket because of it. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and hope uh, pre-season gets all back up and running. December for you guys. And yeah, of course, good luck for the next season. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for having me and good luck. Good luck with the podcast. And that concludes the very first episode of Leave It In The Locker Room. Thank you so much for Joe Weatherly to coming on and being my first guest in this season. Also, of course, I want to thank all you listeners. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you would like to keep up to date with all the news and updates of who will be coming on the podcast in the future months, please follow at By The Green Media on Instagram and Twitter. And don't be afraid to chime in with your thoughts. I'm always very happy to hear some feedback. Of course, please download and subscribe to the Leave It In The Locker Room podcast on Spotify and Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I look forward to welcoming you all back for the next episode. Thank you all once again for listening. Bye for now.